for him and his future as well. So I want to mention that to you and uh, just welcome him, would you? Because we love him so much. Brother Russell. At times, <clears throat> over the past three months that I've been here at this church, uh, at times I stand and, and I say, what a church. And when I say those words, it reminds me of my uncle when I took him to the store shopping when he just moved from, from Ukraine. And I took him to the marketplace and, you know, and it was the first time he saw a store. And so I was walking around and I was showing him things around in the store and, and we came up to orange powder. And I said, see this powder? You just put this powder and put some water in it and you get, you get orange juice. He said, wow. Then I took him and he, we saw milk powder. And, 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 he, and I said, listen, you just take this powder and you add some water and you get milk. He said, wow. And then we were walking around and then he saw baby powder. <laughs> he looked at baby powder and he said, what a country. What a church. What a church. Some of you are asking, you know, why are we having kids in here? I church, they, you know, I church is fun. They get to learn their own language. Um, if you look at statistics, if you look at research, uh, there's been proven research that when kids, when there's a healthy balance between kids, the message being presented on the kids' level and the kids being with adults, they're more likely to remain in church throughout their lives. And so we're going to do everything we can by, by listening to God, by learning from the Word of God, by, by looking at our research so that our kids, our future generation, remains in, in, in the house of God. And part of it is having them with, us, with adults in the main service. So we're going to do it once a month, and, and you know, a child might be a little bit loud over too, but it's for their benefit. They get to be in a corporate worship. They, they get to feel the presence of God and, and just see you reverence for God. You know, they get to see parents praying and seeking God and family connections. So it's very important. It's very important. And, and I, I, you know, thank you for being patient. If, if, you know, if there's somebody a little loud by you, but it, it, it's good. Today I wanted to share a message uh, that, you know, when, when I knew that I was going to be speaking during Grad Sunday, and I began to think to myself, what is the most important things for graduates of, of high school especially and, and, and college as well? And, and you know, I, I know that a lot of people who graduate high school, a lot, a lot of young people who go through youth ministry, who go through kids ministry, youth ministry, graduate high school, go on to college, that's the age, 20 to 30 to 35, that's the age when people leave church. That's the age when people go on to college and they forget about God. And so if there's one thing that I can leave with graduates, if there's one thing that I could say to a graduate graduating from high school, to a high school student, if there's one thing that's very important, that is to be planted in the house of God. My message today is titled, A Homeless Christian. We live in a society where there's a lot of Christians who are homeless without a home. I remember when I was a youth leader in, in, in Washington, in Seattle, and some of you heard my, my story, we had about 300 youth in our church. And so our youth services, we have, you know, when you're a large church, when you got 300 teens, there's a lot of visitors. You know, there's a lot of people that want to go to the big church. And so every Tuesday night when our youth services were at, we had a lot of visitors. We had a lot of youth that would come there, and, and then there was 
there was, you know, people, every Tuesday we had new visitors. We had a whole bunch of guys and girls, and, and some would come on Tuesdays, and then, you know, you wouldn't see them for two weeks, and you would never see them on Sunday. And you would just see them on Tuesday nights. And, you know, and as we began to look with our team and, and to look at that situation, and we, we began to, to notice that these people really are, are really, un, they're not growing spiritually. For some reason, they're not healthy spiritually. Why is that? And as we began to study the Word of God, we came to Psalms 92, verse 13, where God says this, Those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. We notice that these people, they weren't planted in the house of God. They were only visitors. You know, if we had a good speaker or if I was speaking, they'd come Tuesday night and listen to me. If there was a church down the street, they had a good speaker, they'd be down there. If there was a concert in third church, they'd be over there. And, you know, they were everywhere, but nowhere to be seen. They were everywhere, but there was nobody to hold them accountable. They were everywhere listening to the goody-goody messages. You know, sometimes when you have guest speakers, you know, they come and they, they speak the same message that they've spoken in 50 other churches. I mean, it's a feel-good message. And, 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 and so they go around listening to the feel-good messages, but when you're planted in a local church... You know, you, you get a variety of messages. The pastor speaks on the different topics, and, and, and you don't get that. So I've noticed a lot of spiritual tourists in our youth group. They weren't Christians, committed Christians. They were spiritual tourists. Turn around. And one time I got up in front of our youth group, and I said, listen, if you're a visitor here, I'm excited for you to come. Thank you for coming. But I want to challenge you. Listen, if you're not committed to a church or... Maybe you're a member of a different church, but you come here every Tuesday night. I want to challenge you. Plant yourself in one body, in one church. Be committed to it. Put everything you've got into that church. Plant yourself in the local church. And then only you'll be able to flourish. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. Not those that are touring around churches. Not those that just come visit sometimes once in a while on Easter and Christmas. But those that are planted in the house of God, they will flourish. My wife and I, when we got married, we bought a house in Seattle. And when you buy a house in Seattle, it, you know, it's a little different stuff in real estate in Seattle than in, in Oklahoma. And we, when you buy a house in Seattle, the front yard is done. In the backyard, they don't, they don't put landscaping. They don't put grass on. You know, they don't see the grass. And, of course, the back, you know, in Seattle, the, the, the back is so small, you know, the, the yard is just a couple steps. But we bought our house, and, we, you know, our back wasn't landscaped. And so what we did is we went to Home Depot, and, and in Home Depot, they sell green grass, you know, that's cut up pieces of grass. In Oklahoma, they don't sell green. They sell it yellow, <laughs> you know. And in Seattle, they sell it green. So what would happen is my wife, she was working night shift. She came home 7 o'clock in the morning. She went to sleep. Me and my brother Slavic, we, we went to Home Depot. We bought pieces of grass. We brought it on his truck. By the time my wife woke up, what we did is we laid out all the pieces of grass in our backyard. And when she got up and looked outside of from her window, our backyard was green. I mean, just wow, instantly, you know, miracle. Our backyard was green. But then my brother Slavic told me something that, that man, just got my attention. He said, Russell, if you want this grass to remain green as it is today, there are a couple things that you need to do. One is these pieces, you cannot move them anymore. They need to lay there because what's going to happen is they're going to let down their roots 
and they're going to connect to the ground, and they're going to continue to flourish. Because see those green pieces, even though they look, look green, I can pick them up and move them anywhere I want it. You know, if I wanted my, my, my driveway to look green, I can make it look green. But he said, Russell, for, for it to remain green, you need to put it there and leave it there. And he said, you also need to water it every day. And when you do that for a couple of weeks, then you'll have green grass. You know, and when he told me that, I began to think about these young people coming to our youth services as visitors, spiritual tourists, coming around to every church, coming around to every conference, every concert, but never really planted in a local church. And I thought about Psalm 92, 13, where it says, those that are planted in the house of God, only they will flourish. I made, uh, I made a decision that, listen, if you want to flourish, if you want to grow, if you want to remain green, you need to be planted in the house of God, and you need to remain there. And I began to look into this a little bit deeper, and I noticed four things, four benefits of being planted in a local church. And this morning, with, with the amount of time I wanna, that I have, I'm going to go quickly. About four benefits that you will find when you plant yourself in a local church. Listen, if River Oaks Church, we, we invite you to plant yourself in River Oaks Christian Church. But if you're just visiting here, and, and if there's another church you like, listen, plant yourself in a local church. Pastor Hill, we won't cry if you plant yourself in a different church, but plant yourself in a church. A church will you be able to flourish. And this is a great place to plant yourself for your family, for you to flourish. Four benefits of being planted in a local church. Number one is you become part of a body. The Bible says that the body of Jesus Christ, the church, the church is the body of Jesus Christ. When you plant yourself in the local church, you become part of a body. Now, if you have a body, let's, let's take a hammer. If I take a hammer and I take and I hit my finger with it, what will I do? If I hit my finger with, uh, with the hammer, what will happen? All of a sudden, I will move the finger up and I'll start blowing on it, right? I will start, you know, blowing with my mouth. I will, I will take my other hand and I'll wrap it around. And, and I mean, I'll start, but the whole body will, will react to the pain in my finger. And also, you, you see, the, the way the body functions is the hand doesn't just decide, you know what, I'm just going to stay home today. I'm not going to leave the body. The body sticks together. When you become part of a church, you become part of a body. And so when you hurt, when something happens to you, you know what? The whole body is going to react. When you're not in church next Sunday, and then for two Sundays in a row, guess what? If you're part of this body, somebody's going to call you. Somebody's going to come visit you. Why? Because you haven't been in church. The body's been missing you. What's going on? Our finger is missing. When you become part of a church, you become part of a body, and, and, and the whole body knows that you belong to it. When something will happen to you, tragic, an accident, pain, sickness, the whole body, the whole church will come there to help you out. But when you're unplanted in a local church, when you're not dedicated to a local church, you're not part of a body. You're not part of a body. I remember a story I read, I read in the newspaper in Russia. There was a man discovered in his apartment. Uh, you know, people walked into an apartment. It began to stink and smell, and nobody saw people walking into that apartment for many years. And so they, be, they broke into that apartment. And what they found inside is, is a decayed body, a man who died six years ago. So they found a, a man sitting by a table who was dead for six years. And I asked myself, how could that happen? 
A man dead for six years and nobody noticed. Nobody asked, hey, where's Mr. Mr. So-and-so? The neighbors said, hey, the neighbors never asked, hey, what's going on with him? Nobody seemed to wonder what happened with that man. How could a man have been dead for six years and nobody looked for him? You know how? I bet you he wasn't planted in a local church. Because if he was planted in a local church, oh, somebody would have found out. Somebody would have asked. Somebody would have wondered. Somebody would have went and knocked. But because he was unplanted, for six years he could have been dead and nobody asked about him. There was another man in Japan. If you go on CNN and you, you Google it, in Japan, listen to this, a man died on a busy, he, a homeless man, laid on a busy intersection street and on a street where one million people drive by every day or walk by. One million people every day. Well, this man laid down to sleep, a homeless man, and he died, and he laid there dead for two months. For two months. A taxi driver who was driving around every single day for two months, a couple times, after two months decided to look at this man and say, hey, what's going on? For two months he hasn't been moving, I need to check up on him. The same taxi driver picked it up and, and noticed a, a dead corpse. Same issue. Hey, if he, this person was planted in a local church, somebody would have asked in two months. He was never planted in a local church. He was never part of a body. Listen, when you're not planted in a local church, something, some things will happen. You know, things happen in life. Life is hard. You know, and no one will, no one will be there to help. No one will be there to ask. When you plant yourself in the body of Christ, when you play, plant yourself in the church, you will flourish because there's a whole body that's there to care for you. There's a whole body there that's going to react to pain and trouble in your family, in your, in, in your body, in, with sickness, or anything happens with you. There will be a whole body there that's going to that's be there to celebrate when you have good times and to cry together with you when you have hard times. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish because they become part of a body. The second benefit that I want to talk to you about is when you become, when you, when you are planted in the, in the body of Christ in the church, the second benefit is you begin to have mentors in your life. I call it the mentor principle. Now, uh, you, you, you know, you might be saying, oh, you, you know, I don't need teaching. I don't need somebody to correct me. And I'm, I'm going to just disqualify that thought today. When you're planted in a local church, you begin to have pastors, ministers, deacons, they care for your well-being. And they will guide you and direct you and teach you uh, on very important things. Before I moved to Oklahoma, uh, you know, I told our church in Seattle that I'm moving and a whole bunch of people found out. And I had this one family. They came to me and they said, Russell, we know of a church in Oklahoma that you have to go to. He said, you know, this church, they don't have a physical address. They only have a P.O. Box address. And I get mails from them all the time. And they say, send me prayer cloths, and they send me anointing oil, and they send me a whole bunch of stuff, and oh, they're a good church. If you just read their letters, they're such a good church. Russell, we support them financially. We bless them. Oh, what a church. They gave me that name of the church and said, Russell, you need to go check that church out. I went online. You know, I was interested. Hey, what kind of church is that? You know, they said, this is the real church. I went online, and I began to look into that church and the name of the church. Well, and I just typed it into Google right away, thousands upon thousands of pages, pages that this is a hoax. This is, this is a scam. A man living in Los Angeles 
sends out one million letters from Tulsa, Oklahoma with the P.O. Box address in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And in those letters, he writes some good letters. He, he sends, and the, and the scam, the government scam reports, they write about these letters. They have pictures of those letters. They have pictures of those prayer cloths. And they say that he sends out a million letters every single month to, to a whole bunch of people. And these people send finances to that P.O. Box address. He has somebody pick up those letters, rip them apart. Where there's money, they take the money. All the other letters are trashed in a garbage can, never read, never opened. And this man is a millionaire in Los Angeles, owning huge houses, I mean, riding the best cars. You know, when I read that story and I, and I went back to that family, I thought to myself, listen, you're part of a church where, it, you, where there's a pastor, there's a minister, and if there's something going on in your life, if there was a need in your life, all you had to do was go to your pastor. You know what? He'd wake up in the middle of the night praying for you. You know what? If you needed help, he'd, he'd get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and come and help you out. You got a man, you got a pastor in the church that's going to care for you. You got a mentor there. But no, you know what? You're gonna deci you decided to trust these people who don't even exist. These, these, these people that, that, are, that are scammed. And you know, because these people, this family, they were really not planted in a local church. They were like, oh, you know, we're going to trust somebody else. You know, a local church, forget it. They were never able to flourish. All they were doing is they were sending money to an to organization that didn't really exist. But when you plant yourself in the local church, you, you become part of a body where there's a mentor. Who, a, you become part of a, a, a church, and there's a pastor in a church who will care for you and, and will do anything for you. You know, some, some people really don't like correction today. And, and they say, oh, I don't need a pastor to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. I don't need a pastor to tell me what's sin and what's not sin. Imagine if your kids would go to a school and, and you know, they're taking tests. And, you know, your teacher, they're taking a math test. And your sons ask, hey, what's 2 plus 2? And they answer 5. And imagine if the teacher would have said, ah, 2 plus 2, you know, sure, it can be 5. Or a kid answers, 2 plus 2 is 6. And the teacher's like, oh, yeah, it could be 6. It could be 6. It doesn't matter. Whatever you put is good. Would you want a teacher like that? I don't think so. When you plant in a local church, you become part of a body where there's a pastor, where there's, where there's ministers, where there's deacons that care for you. And listen, for my kids, I, wanna, I want a teacher who's going to say, hey, kid, 2 plus 2 is not 5, it's 4. I mean, I want the teacher to say it in a nice way, but I want the teacher to tell him it's 4. I want the teacher to correct the kid so that he knows what's truth. He knows what's right. When you're part of a body of Jesus Christ, when you're part of a church, there are people who's going to tell you the truth. There are mentors. You become accountable to people, to pastors, to leadership, who are going to tell you the truth. They might say it in a nice way. They might approach you in a loving way, but they're going to tell you how it is. Why are they going to tell you the truth? Because they want you to succeed. They want you to know the truth because the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. But if you're living, you know, without a mentor, without anybody telling you, hey, this, you should not do this, you should not do this. If you're saying, hey, I don't need that in my life. Listen, you're going to make some mistakes. Let me tell you a quick story. How many of you have heard, I told this to our young people, in Alaska, there's some villages that are surrounded by wolves. By, and, and, and so what they do is they, they've made plans how to kill off wolves when they approach the villages. What they do, and this is a, a kind of sick story, but let's get through it. What they do is they take a knife in Alaska where it's kind of cold. They take a knife, they dip it in blood, and then they, they leave it 
standing up around, you know, in, or in the snow. What happens is the blood freezes over and it creates an ice popsicle. Wolves are attracted by, by the smell of blood. And so when wolves come out to attack a village, what they do first is they come to those ice popsicles, to those knives, and they start licking it. They start licking because they want to get to the blood, because this blood smells good. When they start licking, they're licking, they're licking, licking, licking it, and after a while, they lick through the ice popsicle, they, lick, they get to the blood, and they continue to lick the knife. Why? Because they've got to the blood, they like the blood, but then they begin to cut themselves, and their, their uh, tongue is already frozen over from licking the popsicle. They, don't, they can't feel that they're cutting themselves, and they continue to lick that knife, cutting themselves, and then when they cut themselves, they bleed, and they continue to drink their blood, and they drown in their own blood. You might say, man, what a sick story. Listen, if somebody, would have, if somebody would have said, hey, wolf, wolf, listen, you need to, don't do that because that's going to kill you. You know, same thing with sin. We often, we often think that, you know, alcohol or drugs or some of these other things, we think, oh, this is good. And when we continue to do these things, listen, that alcohol and those drugs, that's what's going to kill us. Just like the knife killed the wolf, alcohol and drugs and everything else related to sin is going to kill us. It's going to take away joy and peace from our families. And listen, when you have a mentor, when you have a pastor, when you have leadership, when you have a church, this, they're this looking after you and saying, hey, listen, that what you're doing right there, that's, that's dangerous. That's going to lead to pain. That's going to lead to suffering. Stop it. It's important to have a mentor. It's important to have people you're accountable to. If you just say, hey, I don't, I don't care for the pastor. I don't need anybody to be accountable for. You're going to be just like that wolf, engaging in things that bring death to your family, that bring pain and tears to your family. So the second, the second benefit of being planted in a local church is the mentor principle. You become part of a local church where there's a pastor who cares for you, who will do anything for you. The third benefit of being planted in a local church is I call the environment effect. When you're planted in a local church, you become part of a healthy environment. How many of you know what the harshest, harshest punishment for a prisoner is? The CIA, in their handbook, you know what they say the harshest punishment is? And the best way to get information out of terrorists? You know what the harshest punishment is? Listen to this. Their own handbook states this. The more completely the place of confinement eliminates sensory stimuli, the more rapidly and deeply will the interrogated be affected. Results produced only after weeks or months of imprisonment in an ordinary cell can be duplicated in hours or days in a cell which has no light and no people. The harshest environment for a prisoner to be is away from people and away from light. When you're not planted in a local church, you become isolated. You are not part of an environment that's healthy. I shared this with kids as well. Did you know that a shark can grow as big as 41 feet, but at the same time a shark can be as large as the palm of my hand? If you take a shark that's just born and you place it in an aquarium, it will never grow bigger than the palm of my hand. You know why? Because the environment does not allow it to grow. If you take small fishes from an, from, an, from an aquarium and you put them in a pond, guess what's going to happen with those small fishes? They're going to get bigger. Why? Because the environment is bigger. The bigger the environment, the bigger you get. 
Same thing with us, that the bigger the environment, the healthier environment that we place ourselves in, the greater our potential and ability. The greater things we're going to do. Listen, if, you're, if you surround yourself around sick people, sick attitude, I mean sick, sick attitude. If you surround yourself with people who have a sick attitude, sick attitude is contagious. Go to, go to a concert and sit by people who are complaining. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to start to find things to complain about. Go to a concert and sit by people who are sleepy. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to want to sleep. But if you go to a concert and there's people around you that are excited, that are smiling, that are just optimistic, wow, this is great, guess what you're going to do? You're going to enjoy the concert. Your environment will make you. The environment that you're in will, 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 will shape your attitude, your worldview. And listen, the greatest environment to place yourself in is the local church. The environment that is created in the local church is the greatest environment for your talents, for your abilities to grow and to expand. Did you know that two crabs, if you're catching crabs, and if you, if you have a bucket, if you only have one crab in there, what's, you know what's going to happen? It's going to crawl out. But the moment you put two crabs in the bucket, you don't have to worry about having a cover. Because crabs, the one is climbing out, they're going to they're going to pull each other down. Listen, people, people, there are people in life that are going to try to pull you down. But I promise you, in a healthy church environment, in a healthy church situation, people are only here to help you go up. People here in a local church are only here to help you get higher, to succeed, to grow, to develop. The environment in a local church is a healthy environment. And so the third benefit of being planted in a local church, the reason why you will flourish when you're planted in a local church is you become part of an environment that encourages you, that builds you up, that just pushes you forward and says, hey, you can do it. This is not an environment. You come here, this is not a place where you're going to be told you can't do it. This is not a place where you're going to be told that, hey, you're, going to, you're, you're just going to die in misery. This is a place where you're going to be told that you can achieve certain things. You, you, you can succeed. You can be successful. There are good days ahead of us. This is an environment that is optimistic, not pessimistic. The local church, the environment in the local church will allow you to flourish. That's why the Bible says those that are planted in the local church, those that are planted in the house of God, only they will flourish. If you're not planted in the house of God, you're missing out on the environment that provides you an opportunity to grow. I know time is running, but I want to share one more, and this is very important. The fourth benefit of being planted in a local church is the local church provides an avenue of expression. An avenue of expression. My grandparents, when they moved, when they lived in Ukraine, they used to have gardens, a lot of gardens. They would plant stuff. And, you know, we'd go and help them out with potatoes and fruits and vegetables. They, they planted stuff because that's how they ate. I mean, that's how they made a living. When they moved to America, you know, we... Have, you know, they, they, their kids are working. They don't need to have any more gardens. We've got everything in the stores. So they didn't need to have gardens. But guess what? If you go to my grandparents' house, and their yard is, I mean, two feet by two feet, small, you know? Guess what they're going to do with those two feet by two feet? They're going to have a garden. And even though they're going to have four and a half potatoes out of the garden, they're still going to tender for it every day. You know why? Because they love seeing the fruit of their hands. 
They love tendering for something, taking care of something, coming out every day and just looking at it grow and then just, and then after a while, eating the fruit of their hands. Oh, what a great feeling. Listen, if you're not planted in a local church, if all you're doing is just walking around from place to place, you will never see the fruit of your hands because all you're doing is you're an observer. You'll never become a part of doing something. If you're just a visitor in church, all you're doing is you're observing. You're watching kids involved. You're watching somebody sing. You're watching somebody do something. You're watching somebody work and volunteering. And all you are is you're just an observer. And when you're an observer, you never will get to see fruit of your hands. When you're planted in a local church, you become part of everything that the church does. You pray for the kids' ministry. You're, you're involved in Wednesday nights. You're involved in the stage. I mean, it provides an avenue of expression for you. Maybe you're not singing, but you're praying. You're supporting financially. And then all the, all the fruits of the church, guess what? They're your fruits. Why were you so excited about seeing kids up here today? Those of you that are planted in the house of God in this church, you're excited because, because you've been praying for these kids. You've been supporting the church financially and, and, and believing that these kids are going to be planted in the house of God. They're going to get involved. And so today, you're, so, you're seeing fruit of your ministry. Today, you're so excited because, you know what? There's a little something that you did. Maybe you volunteered one Sunday. And you know, and these kids, what you planted in them a seed is now finally beginning to flourish. That brings you excitement. But when you're not planted in a local church, you will never begin to see the fruit of your own hands. You will never experience the joy of seeing your own fruit. You know, you've put into something, and now you see the reward. I remember one time when, when I was about 16 years old, we went to Ukraine, and we had a lot of outreach in Ukraine. And one time, we were doing this big outreach in the city, and we had this concert band come out, and it was just huge. And, I, you know, and, and, and they were doing everything, leaning everything on the stage, and I thought to myself, uh, you know... What am I doing here? I, you know, they're doing everything. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go out, and while the concert and while the outreach is going on, I'm going to start inviting people. You know, because there wasn't that many people. Maybe two, three hundred people showed up. And so while the band and everybody else and the guest speaker were ministering, I just went around the village starting to invite people. I told them, hey, there's a concert going on, free concert. Go and see it. I remember towards the end, I finally got there, and, you know, I went to the outreach, and, I wasn't really involved. I wasn't on the stage. You know, I didn't do much for that outreach. I, I was just an observer. But I did invite people. And then towards the end of the service, an altar call was made. And I watched one of the men that I distinctly remember inviting. He came there. And I watched as he came forward and accepted Jesus Christ. He wasn't there for the whole outreach. He came midway through because I invited him. You know what? Many years later, I mean, this is, this is 10 years later. I still remember that outreach. Why? Because I saw fruit of my own labor. When you do things and when you see the fruit of your own labor, that's when that's the greatest joy. You know, it's nice to see a great pastor speak. It's nice to see a great band sing. I mean, it's, it's nice to go to a great concert. But you know when you will experience the greatest joy in your life? When you do something and you see fruit of it. You know when you will feel the greatest pleasure? Not when you're in a concert of Michael W. Smith or, or some other concert. The greatest pleasure you will get is when you will get up on the stage, you will sing a song, and somebody after church will come up to you and say, hey, that song really blessed me. 
the joy of that testimony will, will I mean, always, it's just so much better, so much higher, so much greater than, than visiting some other concert. I know. I know. Because I love seeing fruit on my hand. My wife is planting stuff, you know, planting stuff in, in, in some small, in small buckets. And I mean, we're looking at it every day. And even though, you know, we might eat it in, in a day, in one meal. And we have to tend for it every day. It's raining and, and wife's like, her husband, it's late at night. And her husband get up and, and put it inside the house, stop plant. And I'm thinking, man, we're going to eat all this in a day and I have to do this every day. But you know what? The joy of seeing the fruits grow and develop, that's just, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. When you plant it in a local church, you'll get that. You'll see fruits. You'll see ministry being done, and then you'll see the fruit of that ministry, and you'll rejoice. You will receive that joy. But if all you are, you're implanted in the church, all you're doing is just visiting around. You're just an observer. You're a spiritual tourist. You will miss out on that. You will miss out on that. You will never become part of a body. You will not have a mentor, a person who will care for you, a person who will, who will, who will be there to, to be, hold you accountable. You will not join a healthy environment. And you'll never see the labor of your own hands. I want to finish today with this illustration. If you take a tree, a young tree, you go today to Lowe's or some of, the, some of these other stores, you take that tree and you bring it home. The way, you know, you can move that tree around a couple times. You can put it in one place and, and you know, they later decide, oh, you know, uh, I don't, you know, this tree, the location of this tree is not good. Then you can move it to another location. You can move it around maybe two or three times while its roots have not been put down. But a time comes, if all you're doing is you're moving that tree around, that tree will never flourish and you'll never see fruit of that tree. Time comes when what you have to do is you have to take this tree, you have to plant it, and you have to let its roots go down. And you know, once the roots go down, two, three years later, what will happen? You'll begin to see apples grow. You'll begin to see cherries. You'll begin to see fruit being brought forth in that tree. Young people, my message, this message is, I mean, directly to you. If you want to flourish, the Bible says, those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. Time is coming. Time has come when each and every one of you need to make a decision. You know what? I need to plant myself in a local church. I need to let my roots down. If River Oaks doesn't work for you, no hard feelings. But find a church where it works for you and plant yourself there. But I'm telling you, this is a great place to do it. If you not let your roots down yet, my invitation to you today is let your fruits down in the local church. Only then will you flourish. Only then will you begin to experience the benefits of being planted in a local church. Only then will you begin to experience the benefits of being part of a body. Of, of, of experiencing a great environment, of having a person, a pastor that cares for you, that will do anything for you. Look up in the middle of the night if he asked him. Be planted in a local church. The greatest advice that I can give you, the greatest joy for me is being a part of a local church. The greatest advice that I can give you, and this is to Corey, to, to other graduates, to young people that are going to be graduating very soon. The greatest, the greatest encouragement the greatest advice that i can give you be part of a local church plant yourself get involved as much as you can and then you will flourish in life amen let's stand to our feet
wanted us, if we can ask the adults, if we can, I want you adults, especially elders, deacons, if we can start to intercede and pray for our young people. This is a youth, youth Sunday. I want you to begin to pray for young people, that each and every young person here, that God has entrusted me and Pastor Harold and some of you to work with, that they may be, one day may come and they make a decision, you know what? I'm going to stay planted in a local church. I am not leaving a local church. I'm going to be a tree that's going to stay committed to this backyard. I'm not ripping my roots out and just wandering around without being planted. So if we can, you know, while we sing, if we can just begin to pray in our thoughts and then just pray with the words, Lord, put a protection on our kids. Lord, put a great desire and hunger in their hearts to be planted in the local church. Amen.